Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And Lot went out of the door unto them and shut to the door after him and said, I pray you, brethren, do not so wickedly. Then he says, Behold now, I have two daughters which have not known men. Let me, I pray you, bring them out unto you and do you to them as is good in your eyes. Only unto these men do nothing. That was a bad father because instead of calling on God for help from the men of Sodom who were trying to sexually abuse his guests, He resorts to sin by offering his two daughters instead of his guests. His daughters watched that. They saw that. He taught them during that time. And they said, oh, when you're afraid, when you're in trouble, then you sin. Okay, we're afraid now because we're in the trouble of not having children. So we will resort to Genesis 19.36. Thus were both the daughters of Lot with child by their father. Bad father. Eli Melech. Bad father, like Lot, bad father, because he didn't have the word of God in his heart. He made bad decisions. Eli Melech's first bad decision was like Lot. He lifts up his eyes. He sees the land of Moab as a place that looked pretty good, looked pretty good to go. He's a bad father because he didn't teach his children by his examples. Resist the lust of the eyes. Bad father because, as like Lot, he tried to blend in, as we saw last time. The city of Sodom. Eli Melech tried to blend in with the Moabites. And Eli Melech's sons, they learned from their father to try to blend in. They took Moabite wives. They had no business doing that. God said, don't do that. And in the end, Eli Melech, he lost his wife. He lost his sons. He lost his own life. So we have Eli Melech here. And through his journey, as he launched off, to start a new life with all these new hopes and dreams. He's going to make a great future for himself in the land of Moab. Just one problem. It wasn't the will of God. It's never the will of God for a a believer to leave his people. As God says in Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So Eli Melech, he makes this decision to, to where he's going to live based on where he can be a prosperous man. A good father chooses the place to live based on where his church is and based on how easily he can get to it. A good father chooses where to live based on prayer and seeing the neighborhood as either a place of fellowship with other believers, or a mission field for where he can reach others and bring them out of darkness into light. And neither Eli Melech nor Lot, they didn't live that way. They didn't choose where to live based on those factors. They chose where to live based on how easy it would become for them to become rich. And dreams were calling, were calling Eli Melech, come to this land, become prosperous, the land of Moab. And we followed him as he led his family into this place he had no business going to. He didn't care about the will of God. He just forsook God's land, Israel. He forsook God's people, the Jewish people. And even though God wanted Eli Melech to stay with the Jewish people of God, he made the decision to leave, just blend in with the, with the Moabites. So believers are a different people from the world because we have received a great gift 
a great gift of eternal life. As the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 10, 28 through 29, I give unto them, I give unto them, he says, eternal life. They'll never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which gave them unto me, he's greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. But tragically, Elimelech, as the father of his house, he led his family the wrong way. Now, that's chapter one of Ruth. We've studied the example of Elimelech. He's the bad father. Looked at Lot also. We've seen that he was a selfish man. He was a selfish father. He didn't put the word of God first in his heart. He didn't diligently teach his family to not forsake the assembling of themselves and not forsake the people. Now, in contrast to the bad father, Elimelech, we now turn to the example of the good father, Boaz. Notice how he's described in Ruth 2.1. Naomi had a kinsman of her husband's, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. See, in our history of Ruth, we're going to see that Boaz is going to become the wonderful deliverer. Unexpected, but he's going to become the wonderful deliverer. In contrast with Elimelech as the bad father, now we see Boaz. He's a good father. He's a good example of a father in Israel. He's a good head of a family. He's a good example of a head of a family in Israel. He's a good man. He's a good landlord in Israel. And we see that, first of all, he's described as a mighty man. The first word that's used to describe Boaz, he's come on the scene now, is that he's a mighty man. That's the word gibor in Hebrew, gibor. That's the word that God used to describe Gideon. In Judges 6, 12, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him, the Gideon, and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man, mighty man of valor, Gabor. He was a Gabor man, Gideon was, a mighty man. And what did he do, Gideon? He was brave. He delivered Israel from their enemies, like Boaz, wonderful deliverer. And what does Boaz do as a Gabor man? He's going to deliver Naomi, Ruth, from the doom of poverty. Boaz was a good father because he saw need and he became a man of deliverance. Fathers are good fathers when they lead their families to see those outside the Lord Jesus Christ and lead their families to do what they can to see them saved. They seek the lost to see them saved. And when Boaz saw the poverty of Ruth, he saw her need and he asked about her, who is this? It says in we see here, Ruth 2.5, Then Boaz said unto his servant that was set over his reapers, Whose damsel is this? See, when Boaz learned that Ruth was a Moabitess, as it was explained to him, verse 6, the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It's the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. Boaz did not let prejudice rule his heart. And even though she was from the enemies of Israel, Boaz looked beyond that prejudice, and he saw an individual. He saw an individual who was in need, and he noticed noticed what he calls her in verse 8. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not my daughter? She's a Moabite. My daughter, go not to glean another field, go from abide here fast by my maidens. See? Boaz was a good father because by his example, he was hospitable. He was hospitable. He opened his fields to the needs of of another. 
A good father is a person who is hospitable. He opens his house to the needs of others. A good father doesn't say, I've got enough trouble taking care of my family. I'm not going to have guests over to my house and take up my time and eat my food. That's not a good father. A good father is hospitable because he sees that essentially God is hospitable. That's how you describe God. He's hospitable. A good father sees a visitor come to church, like come to church today, and says to the visitor, you're coming to my house after church today. You're coming to my house for dinner. And his children see that, and they learn how to be hospitable. I remember how David would look around those in the company, and he would identify those who were in San Diego and didn't have any family, and he would invite them to his house for Thanksgiving. He'd go up to them, and he'd he'd work. He says, you're coming to my house for Thanksgiving. Just think of how hospitable the Lord Jesus Christ is when he says in John 14, 2-3, In my Father's house are many mansions, if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. See, the Lord Jesus Christ saw us in our homelessness. And he said, I know you have no place to go when you die, so you're coming to my house. You're coming to my father's house when you die. And as each of his believers dies, he takes them by the hand and he brings them to his father's house. He's so excited to show hospitality to them. He doesn't say, I have enough to worry about here in heaven without bringing more trouble to my world. And God the Father is a good father because when the Lord Jesus Christ introduces each believer that he's just brought to the house and says, Father, look who I brought home today. He says, look who I brought to your house. This is John. This is Sally. The father doesn't say, why did you bring them? Why did you bring them to my house? Can't you see how limited we are? Can't you see how much trouble they make? But the father doesn't glare at the Lord Jesus Christ and then glare at the believer and say, okay, just go over there in the corner. Just be seen. Don't be heard. And don't eat too much. (laughs) He doesn't just say that. God the Father is an example for us of a good father because he says to the Lord Jesus Christ, good, good, I'm so glad you brought John home. I'm so glad you brought Sally to, to my house. John and Sally, this, my house is now your house. We're so glad that you came to my house. You're going to live here forever. And because we both, God the Father says to John and Sally, we both have a mutual love in the same person, in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're welcome to my house. I'm glad you're here. God the Father is a good father because he's hospitable. Boaz was a good father because he was hospitable. Good fathers are good when they're hospitable. And notice how Boaz is described in verse 1 by a word that's translated wealth. But it's the word chayil. It's better translated valor or virtue. It's the same word, chayil, that's used to describe the virtuous woman in Proverbs 31.10, where it says, who can find a chayil woman? Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. So that description goes on to describe this woman as one who diligently looks to the needs of her family and then works so hard for those needs. That's Boaz. That's Boaz. Like the virtuous chayil woman of Proverbs 31, Boaz is a man of chayil. He cared about the need of others, Good father cares about the needs of others, not just those who are closely related to him. As a matter of fact, when it identifies Boaz as a kinsman, Naomi's husband in verse 1, it says a kinsman. It's a very interesting word. It's only used this place and one other place in the Bible. 
And it really has the, the root meaning of being distant, very distant, a distant relative, like an acquaintance. And so for Boaz, Naomi, and certainly Ruth, were not what you'd call close. You'd have to be expected to take care of them. It shows the heart of Boaz. He looked for caring for people that he didn't have to take care of. And then we have the name of him here, Boaz. It's interesting, Boaz. Boaz is two words put together, Boaz. Bo means in him. Oz is strength. So Boaz, 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 it means strength in him. That's what it means. Boaz was a good father because he was a man of moral strength. He had moral strength in him. He could have taken advantage of Ruth. He had that opportunity, we'll see later. He could have defiled her morally, but he didn't because he was a man of strength. He didn't defile Ruth before marriage. He was a man of strength. He had strength in him. Why? Because he had God's moral GPS that warned him of moral dangers and steered him clear. You know, God was the moral strength for Boaz. Boaz had God as his moral GPS. You know, the greatest danger for ships who sail in northern waters is the same danger that sunk the Titanic, the submerged iceberg. The submerged iceberg can rip through a hull of a ship and sink it very quickly. And it's very important for ships to detect the submerged iceberg. I got to detect a submerged iceberg. You know, it doesn't have a big flag on the top that says, I'm a submerged iceberg. And so captains know that they cannot always see, they can't see the submerged iceberg, and they need help. Therefore, captains now, they rely on GPS. They rely on the satellites to detect the submerged iceberg that they can't see and give them the warning so they can change their course. You know, moral dangers are like submerged icebergs for us. And like the captains of the ship, we can't see the submerged icebergs until we hit them and we're in trouble. So we need help. And so God is our GPS, and he warns us, there's a submerged moral iceberg you're heading for. When we walk close to God, and he sees, mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, he shall keep my, pluck my feet out of the snare. He sees the submerged moral iceberg that the devil has, has placed to put in our course, the smile of a strange woman, the charm of an immoral man. Those are the submerged moral icebergs that God, has, as our moral GPS, he sends out the signal, change course, change course. Boaz was a good father because he relied on God's GPS to warn of the submerged moral icebergs. That has placed to put in our course the smile of a strange woman, the charm of an immoral man. Those are the submerged moral icebergs that God, has, as our moral GPS, he sends out the signal, change course, change course. Boaz was a good father because he relied on God's GPS to warn of the submerged moral icebergs. That's what makes Boaz a man that strength was within, Boaz. Strength was in him. A good father has God's GPS to warn him of the submerged moral icebergs. It makes him a good father, makes him a man of strength, a Boaz. The name Boaz or strength within gives us the secret for how a father can be a good father. It's only as a father has the strength within him that he's a good father. That strength is not his own. But that strength comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why the name Boaz is so wonderful, the strength within. It teaches us that fathers and all of us, we cannot be strong 
unless we recognize we have no strength in ourselves. But God gives us the strength. As the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 15, 4 through 5, Abide in me and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. That's describing the necessity of Boaz. Without Boaz, without strength within us, you can't do anything. It says in John 15, 7, if ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, that's describing Boaz, the strength of God's words in us, you shall ask what you will, it shall be done unto you. 2 Corinthians 3, 5, not that we are sufficient in ourselves, of ourselves, to think anything as of ourselves, we don't have it. But our sufficiency is of God, it comes from God. Ephesians 3, 16, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That's Boaz, strength in the inner man. Ephesians 6, 10 through 11, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. That's Boaz. Be strong in the Lord. God, strength in us and in the power of might. Then you'll be able to put on the whole armor of God that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. Colossians 1, 11, strengthened with all might. That's Boaz. God, strength in us according to his glorious power, unto all patience, long-suffering, joyfulness. How could Job, how could Job go through what he did, endure with what he did? He told us how in Job 23, 6, where he said, he put strength in me. That's Boaz. That's what he's describing, God putting his strength in Job. Job 23, 6, he would put strength in me. Isaiah 41, 10, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. I will hold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I will strengthen thee. That's Boaz. I'll put my strength in you. Isaiah 40, verse 29 through 31. He giveth power to the faint. That's Boaz. Strengthen him. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. That's Boaz. Strengthen him. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. The young man shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's Boaz. Strengthen him. They shall mount up with wings. They shall, not, they shall run, not be weary. They shall walk, not faint. What's the result of Boaz? God's strength in a believer? Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Boaz. King Solomon, he wanted to give an eternal memorial to the importance of this. He wanted to give an eternal memorial to the importance of God's strength within, to the importance of Boaz. And so he names one of the pillars in the temple. He says, that pillar is going to be called Boaz. And that's what it is. So everybody would know that Jehovah Jesus was responsible for putting strength into the believers. And notice what Boaz says to his workers in chapter 2, verse 4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered, The Lord bless thee. This is remarkable. This is remarkable. In this verse, we're able to see the heart of Boaz as a good landlord, a good father, a good landlord. He's a man who prays for who he's responsible for. Because he's a good father, prays for his children, prays for his wife. Above all else, Boaz recognized that those in his household had the primary need above everything else. And he said it in verse 4 to those in his household. He prays, the Lord be with you. That's a prayer. 
The Lord be, I'm praying the Lord be with you. And then we see how those in Boaz's household, they loved Boaz and they wanted to be, to see him blessed. And so they come back and say, the Lord bless you. We love you. A good father is loved because he prays for his family. We see a good father in Boaz. He directs his household, look to God, trust in God. He knew that he had strength in himself, Boaz. He knew that the Lord was with him. He wanted above all else for his household to have Boaz strengthen them. King David, he was a good father to his son Solomon because David's strongest desire for Solomon was that Solomon should have a strong, real, personal relationship with Jehovah Jesus. And Solomon, his son, knew that his father David wanted that for him to have his own strong, personal, real relationship with Jehovah Jesus. Not religious relationship, but real relationship. And the most meaningful time, one of the most meaningful times in the life between Solomon and the son and David the father was given to us in First Chronicles 28.9. When Solomon hears from his father, and he remembers it and he writes it down for us. It's written down for us. When Solomon says, Thou, Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father. Serve him with a perfect heart, a willing mind. For the Lord searcheth the hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of your thoughts. If thou seek him, He'll be found of thee. Thou forsake him, he'll cast thee off forever. Good father is like David. He tells Solomon, don't be religious with God. Don't be religious with God. Be real with God. And a good father meets like David did with all of his children and teaches them, know God, number one, know God. Number two, serve God. Number three, yield your life to God's will. Number four, seek God. A good father explains to his children, God knows your thoughts. He knows what you're imagining. He knows what you're thinking. And he's waiting for you to seek him. And if you seek him, he'll make himself findable to you. So today we've seen bad fathers. And we see, we don't want to be like Eli Melech. We don't want to be like Lot, who neglected to guide their families. In contrast, we saw Boaz, we saw David, good fathers. Fathers love God with all their hearts, their soul, their mind. Good fathers fill their heart with the word of God. Good fathers talk about the Lord Jesus all the time, like bird watchers talk about birds and architects talk about structures. Good fathers are hospitable to others. They care about those who are distant to them. Good fathers are not prejudiced against those who are in need. Good fathers seek to locate their families where they can be in fellowship with other believers and encourage them to. Good fathers look for how they can help to save the lost they're in contact with. Good fathers pray for their children to know God. Good fathers pray for their household to know God and for the presence of God to be with them. Good fathers rely on God as their moral GPS to warn them about submerged moral icebergs. Good fathers understand that they cannot do all that they need to do without being filled with Boaz, strength within, the strength of God. And good fathers are appreciated by those who are under their authority. Fathers, today, Father's Day, let's vow today to be like Boaz and David, good fathers. And for the whole congregation today, on Father's Day, let's vow to pray for our fathers that they would be good fathers. Happy Father's Day, by the way. My wish to you on this Father's Day is summed up in the words of Boaz in verse 4. As he said to the reapers, I say to you, 
the Lord be with you. And now you reply back to me as the reapers did to Boaz. Happy Father's Day. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for giving us these examples of what we shouldn't be and what we should be as good fathers. Help us, Lord. We need your help so much. Lord, we need Boaz. Give us the strength within. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher Tom Cantor in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.